0: Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslender. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on January 8, 2023. We are continuing our study today of the Gospel of Luke. We've been in this for um, just a little bit over a year. And today's passage teaches us four characteristics of Jesus followers. I really hope these things describe you and me, they should because these things are the characteristics, the traits is what a Jesus follower looks like. Now understand what a characteristic is. A characteristic is a feature or quality belonging to a person, place or thing and serving to identify it. So if I don't know the name of a thing, but I describe what I see, then you can tell me what that thing is because you know it. So I want to make sure you understand this. So I need some volunteers. Now, before you raise your hands, let me tell you what kind of volunteers I'm looking for. I'm looking of all ages for reasonably intelligent, you don't have to be a brainiac, just reasonably intelligent people who would be willing to come up here, I promise not to purposely embarrass you in any way. If you want to embarrass yourself, that's up to you, okay? I'm just going to describe some things, and then you tell me if you know what it is. So, volunteers, I need some of you. Got one over here? Come on up. Oh, this one scares me. Okay, Lydia, come on up. Okay. There's two. Come on up back here. Okay, Wyatt, come on up. Okay. Just the four of you stand up here. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, Lydia, you're going to go first, okay? Okay. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, your name. Lydia. And how old are you? Seven. By the way, I'm not going to ask the rest of you necessarily how old you are, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And you just got back from Iowa, right? Yes. Was it cold? Yes. Okay, okay. Okay, that's good, that's good. I'm going to describe something, okay? I'll give you a clue. If you don't know yet, you don't have to answer, and I'll give you more clues until you know what I'm talking about, okay? So the thing I'm thinking about is a substance, Okay, that's okay. It's a very common substance. It's common in the soil, but too much of it can kill plants. It's common in water, but too much of it makes the water undrinkable. Hmm. And in its common form, which I'm almost 100% certain you have in your house, this substance is white. And it adds flavor to food. Salt? Salt. You got it. Okay, give her a hand. Okay, you may be seated. Okay, see, see what I'm teaching you. If you describe the characteristics of something, you should know what it is. So I'm going to give you some characteristics of a Christian, and then people should be able to see these things in us and know who they are. Okay, and your name is? And you're, no, okay. I wasn't going to ask that. Okay. I won't tell you. Okay, that. okay. I'm thinking of a person who died about 160 years ago. There's several. There's yeah. <laughs> good answer. Okay. One of his nickname, nicknames referred to his honesty. Abe Lincoln. Abe Lincoln. Very good. I had two clues, and she got it. Give her a hand. Okay. Okay, let me see which one I'm going to give you here. Okay, I'm thinking of a place known for hot water and wild animals. And it has mud pots, geysers, and hot springs. You got it. Okay, give him a hand. Very good. Okay, and you are? I'm Austin. Austin? You guys may not know Austin. Um, Joe Goran'ska's grandson, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so you may not have known that, okay? Um, I'm thinking of a big building. Empire State? No. Good guess. It's made of white marble. Hmm. Not sure. It's a place where important decisions are made. White House, right? Or? No, it doesn't qualify. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry! Political commentary, I'm in trouble. Okay. Important decisions by men and women in black robes. Mm. And it's in Washington, D.C. It's not the White House. Uh, the House of Representatives? No, it's not Congress. That doesn't qualify either. Okay. Important decisions are made by judges in black robes. Courthouse. Supreme Courthouse. Okay, very good. Give me a hand. Give him a hand. Okay. Very good. And for those of you who think I was picking on the president or Congress, I probably was, and I apologize for that. Anyway, you understand, you understand what I'm saying understand what I'm saying. If you describe the characteristics of something, then you should know what it is. A person, place, or thing is known by its characteristics. And if the characteristics aren't there or they're hidden, it's impossible to know what you're talking about. That shouldn't happen to us. Anyone should be able to look at us as individuals and us as a church and see they're this, they're this, they're this, they're this. Therefore, they must be followers of of Jesus. And so I want to share with you those four characteristics today. Our passage for today is a parable of Jesus, and I warn you ahead of time, this is one of the more challenging parables of Jesus. For on the surface, at first, he almost seems to be encouraging dishonesty and fraud. He's not. He's really doing the opposite, but you have to pay close attention. It's called the parable of the dishonest manager, or traditionally the parable of the unjust steward. Jesus is talking about money, and that's part of what he's talking about. But it's a whole lot deeper than money. So let's stand together and read it. It's in Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 15, and this is how it reads. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, And how much do you owe? Thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, Take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. You may be seated. And I want to make sure that you understand the parable before we learn from it. So the manager of a farm was wasteful and incompetent. And the owner decided, I'm going to have to let my manager go. And the manager heard of this, and he came up with a plan. He told himself, Look, I'm too old to go out and get a job as a manager. I mean, as a laborer. I can't dig ditches. I just don't do that. And I'm way too proud to go out on the street and beg. So he doctored the books with the help of others so that someone else might give him a job and a place to live. So he called in someone and said, So got a contract here that says you owe my master what 900 gallons of oil. No, you don't. Let's write one that says you owe 450 gallons of oil. And he called another one in and says, I have a contract here that says you owe 1,000 bushels of wheat. No, you don't. Let's write one for 800 bushels of wheat. The owner almost had to smile when he called him in and relieved him of his job. Because he said, at least in this, you have acted shrewdly. Now get off my property. And then Jesus answered, Unfortunately, now listen carefully, Unfortunately, people of the world show more wisdom in taking care of themselves than people of God show wisdom in taking care of God's things and others. People of the world show more wisdom in taking care of themselves then people of God show wisdom in taking care of the things of God and in taking care of others. So he's saying, be smart, be wise in a godly way, especially if you have been blessed with worldly wealth. Now, whenever I talk about money, most people automatically say, oh, he's talking about the rich, not about me. If in the place you are currently living, you have running water, And you have a place to go home to today, and you have a car, then you are in the top 20% of the world when it comes to wealth. Uh, Americans, we talk about how tough it is, but compared to other countries, we're the wealth. This is where it is, and we need to remember that. So when we talk about money, remember who we are. So what is wisdom, and what are the characteristics that Jesus is teaching us? There are four of them in this passage. I know there are more of them, but there are four of them in this passage. And in order to have the characteristics that a follower of Jesus should have, we need these four things. And I want you to know them. I want you to build them into your life. So number one, we need to be generous. As God has blessed you, you bless others. The man in the parable had eyes only for himself. He worked his job, though not too well, and when he was about to lose that, he cared only for himself. Jesus said, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Money is not all about you. Use your wealth to gain friends for yourselves. Use your wealth to help people here, for you won't need it in heaven. And the inference there is pretty strong. Stingy people aren't going to heaven anyway. So you're not going to need it. So be generous with what God has given you. Now, are you generous or are you stingy? And and how do you know? I'm going to help you figure that out about yourself. Because if you ask that question one on one, are you generous or stingy? Almost everyone says, I'm generous. I'm generous, but I really want you to know, because very few people honestly admit to being stingy, but how do you know if you're generous? I'm going to give you two ways to assess yourself, and we're going to start with just math. Okay, not everybody's favorite subject, I know, but this is pretty simple math. It's biblical math, a minimum biblical standard of generosity is to give away 10% of your income to God and more to help others. Biblical definition of of generosity built primarily on the Old Testament. New Testament encourages us to be generous. But the standard there was you give 10% to God and then you give more to help the poor. So let's do the math. If you have a full-time job and you earn minimum wage... By the way, that's gone up to $13.85 an hour in Arizona this year. Then generosity means if you're working a full-time minimum wage job, you give away about $55 per week to God and to help others. (coughs) If you're a two-wage earner family and you make about $100,000 between the two of you a year, that means you give $10,000 to God and at least a few thousand more to help the poor. I'm not judging you, I'm just doing math according to the Bible. And the math shows that few people in America, though we are one of the richest countries in the world, few people in America are honestly generous. But it's more than just math. It's also your heart and your attitude. Generous people want to give. So they are cheerful about it. Stingy people give reluctantly and get grumpy about having to do it. Generous people do it as a matter of course. That's just who they are. So they don't end up bragging about it anymore than you end up bragging about taking a few showers a week. I mean, that's just what you do. You take a shower, you brush your teeth, you don't go to work and brag. Hey, guess what, everybody? I took a shower. Generous people don't brag about it because it's just who they are. It's the stingy people who give and want to be known for their generosity. Stingy people want all the credit. Generous people, they just do it as a matter of course. That's what I do. I give to God. I give to charity. I give to help others. I'm willing to help my family and friends as needed. One of the characteristics of a true follower of Jesus is generosity. Jesus' followers are generous. The second Jesus said, is to be trustworthy. Obviously, the way he presented this, this was important to Jesus. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? That, that was, by the way, the original failing of the man in the parable. He had a job as a manager, but he wasn't a trustworthy manager. He was incompetent, didn't pay attention to the details, was wasteful, and the owner couldn't trust him to do his job correctly. So catch the principle behind this trustworthiness. If you can't even be trusted with money, how can you expect God to bless you with more important things? And if you can't be trusted with someone else's stuff, how can you expect God to bless you with your own stuff? So so what is trustworthy? Let, Let me give you descriptions. If you own a thing or manage a thing for others, a house, car, clothes, toys, whatever, a trustworthy person takes care of their things. If you have a job, A trustworthy person does it to the very best of their ability. If you made a promise, said you're going to do something, a trustworthy person keeps their word. If you made a commitment, I'm going to do it. If you said you'll be somewhere, you'll be there and you'll be on time. By the way, trustworthiness is one of the greatest characteristics of our God. He keeps his word. He keeps his promises. If he told us something, we know absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is true. Trustworthiness is a characteristic of God. And Jesus is teaching it should also be a characteristic of God's people. And so four characteristics of Jesus' followers. Number one, be generous. Number two, be trustworthy. And the third is similar, be honest tell the truth. There's a huge principle here. Whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. He said, if you can't be honest in the little things, then you're not going to be honest in the big things. That's the opposite, by the way, of how American culture looks at things. In American culture, it's okay to lie on the little things as long as you tell truth about the big things, but Jesus was saying when it comes to honesty, there are no little things. You're either a truth teller or you're a liar, and if you lie on the little things, you're going to lie on the big things as well. So you're honest or you're not. Those who lie on small things can't be trusted on the big things. You either tell the truth or you don't. And you can see it in the small everyday things. Unfortunately, again, real honesty is incredibly rare in American life. Politicians have replaced tell the truth with say whatever it takes to get the vote and make me and my party look good. And the sad part of it is Christians keep supporting known liars. Salesmen replace tell the truth with say whatever it takes to make the sale. Lawyers replace tell the truth with say whatever it takes to stay out of trouble and even if you're caught, deny, deny, deny. Teens and spouses replace tell the truth with say whatever it takes to stay out of trouble. Even pastors sometimes replace tell the truth with say whatever it takes to grow your church. If You're dishonest in the small things Jesus taught. You're dishonest in the big things. Honesty is the best policy, they say. Unfortunately, in American life, it's a disappearing policy. But for us, it has to be one of the overriding characteristics of who we are. I'll tell the truth in the small things. Therefore, you can trust me to tell the truth in the big things. So characteristics of Jesus. You ought to be able to look at a person that they're generous, they're trustworthy, they're honest. There's a good chance that they are a follower of Jesus. Unfortunately, the sad thing is people aren't always seeing those things in the church. We've got to raise our standards and work harder. And the fourth one is we need to be real. You cannot serve, so stop pretending, Jesus said. You cannot serve God and money. If you try, then you're going to end up torn into hating one and loving the other, or loving one and hating the other. You really can't have two masters in your life. If you're a pretender. You come to church and pretend that you are sold out to Jesus, but other things are more important to you. You're toast. It's all going to fall apart at some point. And many of the people who over the course of their life have dropped out of service to Jesus and dropped out of church is because they never really made the full 100% I'm all in commitment to Jesus. And after a while, they just began to resent it. And they went and chased another goal. So make your choice. Who is your master? What is most important to you? Who do you listen to? Make your choice and and go for it all the way. That's what I mean by be real. Don't pretend that your goal is to follow Jesus when your real goal is to be a financial success or to have career success or to get rich and retire early or, or to be the video game champion of the world or whatever. Ultimately, deep down, every person has to decide, this is what is most important to me. And be real about it. Because if you pretend, you know, for your mom or your dad or your pastor or your church or your friends or or whatever, if you're pretending, it'll end up tearing you apart. People need to be able to look at you and know, this is the most important thing to him or to her. Now, you can have lots of things on your bucket list, but you can only have one master. So make it worthwhile. And for me, and I'm not bragging about this because I often fail in it, but for me, that's got to be Jesus. Now, I forget that sometimes, and then God wakes me up and reminds me what I told him. Sometimes, and you know what I'm talking about, what I call the the two-by-four treatment? Sometimes when I forgot or I'm headed in the wrong direction, God has to take a two-by-four and hit me over the head. Jackie, you remember what you said? You're supposed to follow me and only me. You can only have one master, the ultimate one that controls your life. And so you got to decide because I can't decide for you. As a pastor, almost everybody who comes to the church pretends to me, and for all you know, I'm pretending is Jesus. But you've got to decide that yourself. What is the most important thing in your life? Followers of Jesus are generous, trustworthy, honest, and real. And people can see it. They don't have to guess. That person is a follower of Jesus. I can see it in their generosity, their trustworthiness, their honesty, And the fact that Jesus is that which is most important to them. So how do you build these characteristics into your life? I want to give you three things. Because I want people to look at the members of Avondale Baptist Church and say, wow, they really are who they say they are. Believers in and followers of Jesus Christ. So let me give you three things that you can do to make sure you're building these characteristics in your life. Number one, think about who you are. Honestly clarify in your mind your life goals, your dreams, and your character traits. This is who I am, and this is who I want to be, and this is how I want to be known. you got to decide that before you can do anything about it. you got to make a choice. So who is it you want to be? I mean, 10 years down the road, when people look back over the last 10 years, this is who Jack was. And it was obvious. I can see it. That's who he is. So you got to honestly clarify your life goals, your dreams, your character traits. I mean, be as real and specific in that as you want to be, because too many people are just kind of really vague about it. I want to be a nice guy. It's not enough. I want to get rich. That's not enough, even if you succeed in that. I want to retire early. Yeah, big deal. What are you going to do with your life? What really matters to you? What counts? Honestly clarify. Write it down. Sometimes it helps me. I write it down, honestly, and I write it down in places no one will ever see it but me and God. You'd have to have my password and know where I hit it because I want to be able on paper to to, to be 100% honest and maybe only my wife will know and God. But it helps. It helps. Write it down. This is what I want out of life. This is who I want to be. This is my master. This is my Lord. This is what I want to accomplish. Honestly clarify. And then number two, you got to make some changes to build those into your life. So budget both your time and your money. If I'm going to be generous, then what am I going to do with my money? If I'm going to serve God, then where am I going to find the time to do that? And make sure that both your money budget and your time schedule are in line with your ultimate goals. Because you can say all you want. I want to serve Jesus. But if your schedule says, no, you want to hit every football game and watch every TV show and play every video game, then they don't match, and you're going to tear yourself apart. I want to be generous, but I'm spending every dime on myself, then, then it's not real. So budget both your time and your money. Psychologists say this, and I think they're right. Show me a person's calendar and checkbook, and I will tell you who he is. Show me how someone spends their time and their money. And I will be able to tell you exactly what's most important to that person. Maybe not on any given day or any given month, but over the course of a year, show me how they spent their time and how they spent their money. And I know what's most important to them, and it's not necessarily what they say. So budget both your time and your money. And then number three, I just want to be honest with you. Pray for help. Because you can't do this on your own. You're not going to become an honest, generous, trustworthy follower of Jesus. Of your own power and with your own abilities. You need God's help. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You, You need to almost give God permission. Discipline me. Change me. Help me. Yeah, it helps to have some accountability partners in life, but you need an accountability partner with God. And so you've gone before, and this, this is who I want to be. I want to be an honest, generous, trustworthy follower of Jesus. But I know that's not me yet. Not completely. I need your help. And so a big part of your prayer life is not just for things like physical needs and health needs but for your spiritual life. God, I need help to be the man you want me to be. That should be a regular part of your prayer life. And then you should listen to what God tells you to do. Because I've told you this before. Whenever I pray that prayer, God, I want to be more like Jesus. What do I need to do? God has never told me, Hey, Jack, you're fine. You're good. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Not not that he puts me down. He doesn't because he loves me. He says, you could do this better. You could spend more time on this. You could stop doing this. So you need to honestly clarify. Who do you want to be? You need to make some changes in both your time and your money in order to get there. And and then you need to pray for God's help. God, this is what I really want to be, but I'm not yet. Help me. Help me. Just from my personal perspective, I've been a dad for a long time. I won't say how many years because she doesn't want me to. (laughs) But I've been a dad for a long time. I'm not yet the dad I want to be. I've been a grandpa for a while. I'm not yet the grandpa I want to be. I've been a pastor forever. Slight exaggeration. Not yet the pastor I want to be. So a big part of my prayer life has got to be, God help me. Change me, mold me, turn me into the man you want me to be. That's got to be part of who we are. So today I'm asking you to think about those four characteristics. When people look at you, do they see a generous, trustworthy, honest man or woman who is sold out and fully committed to Jesus Christ? Because that's what a Christian looks like. And when that description is given, I hope people think of you and me and us. But we're not there yet. So keep praying. Keep working. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net. And you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.